work in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, Mercy Hill. It's a, a pleasure to be here this morning and to share the Word of God with you guys. I was, I was in Mozambique recently, and uh, I just want to take this opportunity to thank you guys very much for your prayers. It was very good to go and just visit and see my family after three years. It was, yeah, I, had, I was missing them a lot, and I was able to see them and uh, just to spend time with them. So thank you so much. Um, this morning we're in Judges chapter, chapter 7. Um, Judges chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it. I'm going to go through the passage, not the, the entire passage this morning, but I'll be just uh, going through a couple verses of it. And, um, and at this point, I'm going to read uh, verses 1 and 2. It says, Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him, rose early, early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them, by the hill of Moray in the valley. Then the Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. So, when we read this, 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 this book, uh, specifically this chapter, it's, it's interesting that we see a story um, that we identify with. And like I said earlier, um, I was recently in Mozambique, and in I was able to notice things that I had never even noticed before. Um, and one of the things is, as I was driving past different places in the town I grew up in, um, I looked around and I saw the roads. They're named after people, okay? The roads over there are named after people that have had influence uh, in the society or in the community. Uh, politicians that have done something significant to the country. And so the roads are named after those people. And in fact, if you ever go to the capital of Mozambique, which is called Maputo, uh, the embassy of the United States is, is in this road that is called, um, it's named under a Chinese, a Chinese communist guy that, you know, at the time, um, he was in power, and so you can kind of see uh, the, the relationship there between the country and, <laughs> you know, those ideologies uh, in the past. And so I looked at that. That is something that I've never really paid attention to until I come to the States, and roads, at least in this area, they're named differently. You see 77 South and... 39 East, and, and so on and so forth, right? And, and so 
as I was reading this passage, I was able to see that this tendency to name roads and different places under people's names uh, is a tendency to kind of, um, you know, elevate those people, to kind of perpetuate their names in the, in the community, in the society. And I think it's a tendency that we have as human beings. Um, we tend to think of ourselves uh, or we tend to want to be known. We tend to want to be significant in the society, to be important in the society, and to be known as, oh, that guy who has done this or that guy who has, who has done that. And so as we read this, this passage, in the, uh, specifically in verses 1 and 2, we see here God uh, not wanting the Israelites to do this because he wants God to have the glory. He wants himself to have the glory. And so he doesn't want the Israelites to win the battle and elevate themselves as if, they were, if it was because of their own power. And so he wants to, the glory to come to himself. And so that's, that's what we see here. Uh, at, the, at the very first time, Gideon is outnumbered. The, the number of soldiers that he has is already outnumbered. He has only 32,000 soldiers. 32,000. And if we read chapter 8, we see that the, the enemy has 135,000 soldiers. Can you imagine that? That is a very big difference. I think if we do a kind of ratio... Um, and correspond uh, the, two, the two sides, we'll see that for one Israelite soldier would have to have four enemy soldiers against him. And you can imagine there, you know, would that be easy to defeat four soldiers by yourself? You know, knowing that they have their own instruments and their own arms and stuff like that, it wouldn't be easy. So he's already outnumbered. And God, God tells him, for some reason, he, um, he tells him, you know, to tell um, those that were fearful to go home. <laughs> right in the next verses, okay? Those that were fearful, they should go home. And the huge number of the Israelite army has gone away. They have gone home. And he's left with 10,000. Okay, 10,000. And so this is a test of Gideon's faith, faith, I believe. Because you can imagine here a man that's already outnumbered, and the Lord has taken a huge number of his soldiers again, and he's even down. He's even down. And so this has to be, you know, it must have, ha- it must have been a really, really big test of his faith if he really trusted that the Lord was going to fight this battle for them, for the Israelites. But the Lord always fights for us, right? He always does. He always does. And one thing that I'd like to mention here is the fact that um, this was not the first time that the Lord tells the fearful people to go home. In the book of uh, Deuteronomy, I believe in chapter 6, 
we see a story there where God tells the Israelites that those that were fearful were supposed to go home because fear is contagious. Fear is contagious, isn't it true? We might, because they might cause the other soldiers to be fearful too. Now, if you're going to the battle and you're fearful, are you going to win that battle? You have to be determined to fight. Determined that the Lord is with you and the Lord is going to fight for you and have that faith in your heart. And so he tells these people that everyone that's fearful has to go home. I mean, I think in real life, we see that really fear is contagious. I mean, I, in my own life, I've been in situations where I was fearful because of something that, was, that I was told by someone else. And one of those things is cemeteries. Cemeteries back in Mozambique are mysterious places. Places where you don't, you don't take a walk at. And, and you can imagine, like, I came here for the first time in the States, and... and my mother-in-law took me. She's like, well, let's, you know, a bunch of people, they're like, let's take a walk at the cemetery. I'm like, what? <laughs> Where? She said, at the cemetery. I was like, well, I'm not at home anymore. <laughs> I'm going to go along. And I went along. We, we took a walk at the cemetery for the first time in my life. Okay. And so you don't see that back in Mozambique. And, and the reason why I, I, I was so fearful at cemeteries is because of the things that I heard from people growing up that, you know, ghosts are in the cemetery. You know, those people that die, they become ghosts. And so if you go to the cemetery, you're going to find a ghost and it's going to kill you. Those are the things that people told me and I became fearful of cemeteries. And that is a reality for almost every Mozambican. Okay? So fear <laughs> is contagious. And here we see God himself telling his people, if anybody among you is fearful, they, they better go home because they're going to cause the other soldiers in the army to be fearful as well. And I think this should be should teach us something. Because we're in a battle. This world we're in, it's a battlefield. And if you're fearful in this world, are you going to withstand the enemy? No, you will not. You will not withstand the enemy. And the enemy has strategies. He comes with different strategies. So we should be strong and not be fearful. And the reason why we should not be fearful is because Jesus is with us. He is in us. He is in us. And he can fight any battle that we might face in our lives. And he has the power that nobody else has. He's so much more powerful than anything that we can imagine in this life. And so with that in mind, we can have confidence that any battle that we face is basically one. It's one in the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are blessed to have Christ in our lives. We are so much blessed. 
And many times I just think, I think about the people that do not have this trust in the Lord, which is, I would say, the majority of the people in the neighborhoods we live in, um, the people that we deal with every day. This is, this is real for their lives. They, they don't have this hope of victory that we have. And that is sad. Because when you don't have this hope, you do everything in your own power. And we know where that leads. It leads to failure. Because we, do not, we are not powerful. We don't have any power in us. We're so weak. And that is the reason why Jesus said as he was going to heaven that he was going to bring the Holy Spirit to be with us. He knew that we were going to have to fight the enemy. And the only way for us to win the battle is through him. And this Holy Spirit that he sent to us, it helps us every step of the way. In every battle that we fight, it helps us. It helps us. So, he has, Gideon has 10,000 men, okay? And God even saves them, right? He, he takes down another number of them until they're, they're 300 men. He le- he's left with 300 men, only 300 men. Now, you can imagine, again, the army here, the enemy army, how many of them are they? 135,000. And God deliberately he gives another test to Gideon. And this test is about drinking water. He takes them to the river and he gets there and, and he tells them um, for some reason they needed to drink water. As they drink, God tells them, whoever lapped water with their tongue, as a dog does, they should go home. And those who scoop water with their hand and bring it to the mouth and, and drink it that way, they can stay. And those who did that, there were only 300 men. Now, you can imagine 300. 300 people, only 300. How many of us are, there, are here this morning? I believe probably, you know, it's small, uh, some percentage of that, probably uh, maybe 10%, I believe, of that. Now, you can imagine 300 people only fighting 135,000 men. That was, uh, that was quite a test. And I put myself in that position, and I'm like, what would I have done? Would I have trusted in the Lord enough to actually know that God will fight for me. Because there have been situations in my life where I have found myself, you know, thinking twice. Is this really something God wants me to do? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? And one of the examples is when I was applying for a visa to come to the States, uh, um, <laughs> It took a very long time to actually get the, the visa. And I got to a point where I thought, man, I thought God had spoken to me that it was time for me to do this. Now it's taking this long. Am I sure that 
I really heard from God to do that? I started to doubt. And I don't know, I believe that, you know, each one of us might have those moments in their lives where they think, oh yeah, God is working in my life now. And, you know, in an instant, you start doubting because of something that has happened that you didn't expect it to go that way, right? It's something that happens to us very often. And when it does, we start to doubt the Lord. We start to doubt. So Gideon here, he was left with 300 men. And one thing that I, I learned through studying this passage is the fact that those that scooped water with their hand and put it in their mouth, that was a sign that they were ready because with one hand they could hold their arm, their, their weapon, and with the other hand they could drink water. So that was a sign of preparation, being ready for battle. Because if anything happened at that time, they were ready. They already had their, their weapon in their hands. They were ready to confront the enemy. Now imagine yourself if you kneel down, you go all the way do- down and you're licking water with your, with, your, uh, with your tongue like a dog. The enemy can come you know, behind you and just grab you and he can do whatever he wants with you. And so that's a sign that in this battle that we're in, Preparation is important. We need to be alert. We need to be alert. And in the book of Ephesians, we read the, what kind of battle we're in in this world. That it's not a fight that is physical like we see in this story. It's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. And so the first thing to do is to know what kind of battle we're faced with. What kind of enemy we have so that we have the right, we use the right arms. Okay? And so in Ephesians we're told that this battle is is not physical, but it's spiritual. And so we need to fight spiritually. We need to fight spiritually. And the truth is, every day of our lives, every day of our lives is a moment for us to fight. And I tell you what, without Christ, that, that fight is lost. It's lost completely. Our strength only comes from Him and Him alone. So the battle is certain with Christ because he has the strength. He has fought for us. He came to the earth, the world that he himself created. He comes down and he lives amongst us and he faces all the the battles that we face, all the temptations that we go through. He faces all that and yet he's sinless. Now, if you trust in him, we can have this confidence that the battle is won. Is 100% won. So Gideon here, he receives confirmation by the Lord. The Lord tells him to go down um, to the enemy camp 
and he hears this, these two soldiers discussing, one discussing his, the dream he has, um, he, he, he's had before. And the interesting thing is, even the enemy soldiers, those two guys discussing the, tri- the dream, they know that the Lord is working through Gideon. They know that their battle is lost. The enemy soldiers. And when, when Gideon hears that, his reaction is to worship. He worships the Lord. Is that how we react when God gives us a blessing? When God helps us to win the battle that we're facing in this life? Is that our reaction? Is that how we, we act to worship the Lord? We might do it. We might also not do it. Because many times, when we're faced with, you know, abundance, when we have, um, when we're facing moments of bigness, of abundance, of uh, richness, and, you know, all these good things, it's hard to think of God. And I remember a discussion I've had once with my wife, and I asked her, um, do you, do you like your country? She said, well, yeah, I do like it. But what I don't like is some people have too much that they tend to forget about God. <laughs> I remember her saying this to me. And I was like, really? To have too much to the point of forgetting about God? And it's true. I, sh- I shouldn't be even saying, really? Because even in my country, these things happen. People have too much. And... They do think that whatever they have, it's a result of their own work, of their own strength, of their own dedication. You know, it's up to them. They did something so that they would get that. There is no God involved. And we have this tendency. It's so hard for us to look at bigness, as a, a, a look at bigness as a hindrance to God's ministry. It's hard. In our thoughts, when we think about bigness, we see success, right? I have this huge army, then I'm going to be able to win the battle. Even in ministry, in churches, the more people you have, the better. We do not think about quality, but we think in terms of quantity, right? We think in terms of quantity. The The more we have the better. We don't think about whether or not those people have actually experienced Christ. That is not in our mind. But this is what is happening here in this passage. It's what is happening. Gideon only has 300 men men left. And these people, they defeat the enemy Without, without even using their arms, without even using camels or, you know, any shields or anything like that. But still, they defeat the enemy by the power of the Almighty God. 
that's the only explanation that we can give this, 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 this situation, this scenario. It's only God who could do this. When Gideon goes, he orders them to, you know, to start, you know, to break their containers and to start blowing their horns and all that. And the enemy panics and they start fighting against each other. The enemy soldiers, they panic and they start killing each other. <laughs> and remember, there is only 300 men here in this group. Only 300 men. There is no other explanation. And there are situations, again, in, in our lives where we see something happening and we know, we know for sure that this is God who worked this out. It is God who did it. And in those moments, like Gideon, we should be drawn to worshiping God. We should be drawn to offering worship and praying to him and thanking him for whatever it is that he has done in our lives. That should be our attitude. And so as I see, as I read this text, and I see all this, and, and the more you go down the passage and you see that the story is bloody and it's violent and, and so on and so forth, and you see, I mean, some of these things are things that we, we prevent even our kids from uh, reading, reading, right? Like, you know, we don't want our kids to, be, to have this mentality of, you know, bloody wars and learning about these things, but yet yeah, it's here in Scripture. What, what is, why is it here? It's such a violent story. Why is it here? God has a purpose with it. He does have a purpose with it. He points to a very, uh, a greater reality which is Christ. Christ was here on earth. He came to fight an enemy, the biggest enemy that we have, Satan. Maybe you have enemies, right, somewhere, you know, like somebody who doesn't like you or whatever, uh, somebody who doesn't even want to see you. We might have those enemies, but the enemy that I'm talking about here, the enemy that... Christ came to defeat on, the, on this earth is the biggest enemy ever. The enemy that had the power to take us to eternal punishment. And Christ himself comes to, to, to earth and to fight that enemy. And his own blood, he shed it on the cross. With humility, he defeated that enemy. And that is what this story is pointing to because we see here um, so many details about the fighting that's going on. Um, we see so many details about, you know, the soldiers, the numbers, and, and what happened after the enemy was defeated and, you know, the people that were killed and all that stuff. And this is pointing to this, this battle that Jesus fought for us because we were not able to defeat Satan. Only God himself was the one that was capable of fighting for us. And he really did. He came down and fought. He experienced everything that we experience. Everything. And yet, he was sinless. 
He fought the battle and he won. And today the good news is we can trust in the Lord Jesus. We can trust in him. And he has won. And he will always help us win our battles today. Now, what kind of battles do we face? I mean, there are many different battles, right? I mean, we, we can sit here and start talking about things and, you know, days might go, you know, tell, telling each other things that we're going through. But the enemy that we have, the, en- the real enemy that we have that has the power to take us away from this blessing that we have is sin. Sin. If we cling to sin, if we do not trust Christ to help us overcome sin, brothers and sisters, I tell you, we will not in our own strength. And, I, and I'm saying that even in myself, there have been situations in my life where I think, man, I've got this. Okay, Jonas, you can do this. You can do this. If I do not trust in the Lord in those moments, there is no hope. Because what's going to happen? I'll still go back to those old things that I used to do. I'll just go back. So we can have confidence that in Christ, we have victory. We have victory. And Paul writes that, and he says that we, we are more than conquerors in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he knows that this flesh that we have today, it's, it's weak. It's so weak. We are very quickly distracted. So quickly distracted. And we go astray from the reality of the gospel. And, you're, and if, you're, if you're here this morning and you feel like, man, in this battle that we're fighting, I'm really not ready. I'm, I'm weak. Um, I'm not drinking the water the way I'm supposed to do. And you think that you, th- you know that you're not alert in this world of, that you're fighting. The only answer that we have this morning is Jesus. Just, just look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He is the answer. He is the answer. It doesn't matter how small we are. It doesn't matter the situation you might be going through. But victory is certain in Christ. It is certain. And we should be comforted by this. One of these days this week, I was reading uh, online and I... I, was, I found this story about, um, about a hymn. I, I forget the title of the hymn. I think it's All Is Well, All Is Well. Yeah, it might be something like that. All Is Well. It's a very famous hymn. You can probably tell that I didn't grow up <laughs> singing hymns. But what was interesting was the story behind it. The guy that wrote, wrote that hymn, he was in a terrible situation. He was an attorney, and he was an investor in Chicago. And he saw most of his wealth go downstream when the city uh, 
caught on fire. And so he lost so much money. And as a way of, uh, and even during that time, he lost his son, okay, which was heartbreaking for him and his family. And, and so he decided one way to kind of just get away and just forget about this for, for, for a time, he decided to send his family to England, uh, his wife and four daughters, to go to England. Um, so they boarded on a ship and as they were going to England, they got to this place and there was a shipwreck, okay? And the ship sunk. And the four daughters died and his wife survived. When she, got, when she finally got to England, she wrote, she wrote a letter to him uh, saying something to the effect of, now what? Now what? Our daughters are gone. So what am I going to do? And so as soon as he, he sees that, he receives the information, he goes, he decides to go and, uh, to be with his wife in England. And he boarded a ship, and as they were going, they got to the place where the shipwreck had happened. Um, one of the captains told him, hey, this is the place where your daughters passed away. And he was sad. He started writing these words. And those words that he, wrote, he, <clears throat> that he wrote were the hymn that we sing today. That all is well. And he found comfort in the Lord at that moment. And that struck me because when I'm confronted with evil, when I'm confronted with terrible situations, the first thing that comes into my mind is not, I'm going to praise the Lord. That's not it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, the first thing, the first thing that comes is not always that. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. That's not the first thing that comes many times but that's what it's supposed to be coming from us worship worshiping God because we know that this this life that we live is temporary right it's temporary I can imagine losing four daughters in one day that that was unspeakable even right and he gets to the place He's worshiping the Lord. The same response that Gideon did, that Gideon gave, when he saw God confirm to him that he was supposed to go and fight by hearing that dream that the enemy soldier was telling the other person, he worshiped. And that should be our reaction. Worship God. Worship God, no matter what circumstances you're in. No matter the situation you're in, if you're in abundance, worship the Lord. If you're in want, worship the Lord. If you're sad, worship the Lord. There are so many things that we do to each other that cause us to be sad, to be uh, heartbroken, and all that stuff. So many things. We're imperfect people. We're imperfect. We hurt each other a lot. 
we do. And our source of, of comfort should come from the Lord at all moments. Whether you're happy, whether you're sad, or in any other kind of situation, we should be worshiping the Lord. Amen. And I'm going to, as I close here, I'm going to invite Nate to come up. Um, it was probably too short. <laughs> but uh, please forgive me for that. Um, and as I close here, I just, guys, I, I was struck by this story and the fact that it's a story of a battle and knowing that every day of our lives is a battle. And I want you guys to remember this. This battle we're in, if we fight it without Jesus, we, we can be sure that this battle is lost. And it's very comforting to know that we have Christ, we have a God that cares, that cares for us as his people. He cares enough for himself to come down to the earth to fight that battle for us. And that is the source of our comfort, and it should be every day of our lives. So as, as you go about your week, please remember this, that we are more than conquerors in the Lord Jesus. We are more than conquerors, and he, he is always there for us. He's always there for us. Sometimes we, we may not even feel that he's there for us, but he is. We can, we, we can have confidence that he's there with us. He's within us through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word this morning, for the encouragement that we get from your word. God, Help us to worship every day of our lives. May this week, Lord, be a week where we will truly, truly commit to worshiping you in every situation. Whether we're hurt, whether we're going through a terrible situation, a sad situation, I pray, Lord, that you will comfort us. I pray that you will encourage us with your word. And I pray, God, that you'll see us through every situation this week. We love you, God, and help us to, to love you more and more every day and to come to you and to worship you, Jesus. We thank you and we love you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Jonas. Would you please stand with me as we can...